for those that are listening, if you feel like you don't have enough fill in the blank, what do you have? I know that you have something in you that is unique and special to you. And how can you use that and leverage that to get what you want? The same way that I used my understanding of pitching to get what I wanted with the house remodel. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast, episode number 336. We are turning the tables today with my friend Lori Harder on her podcast, Earn Your Happy. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon. If you found yourself here, it means you are ready to unleash the powerful visionary that lives inside you, turning you into an authentic leader who creates influence, impact, and change. Let's get started. If you do have listeners that know who I am, I've heard my name, they, they may know me from my podcast, the Influencer Podcast. I've also been in the online space um, for almost 10 years now. Um, I have online courses and programs, one called Pitch It Perfect, um, another one called the Influencer Academy, and um, have a mastermind called Shine and a membership um, called Empower You. So really run the gamut in the online space, as you know, Lori, all about that. And um, before that, I was in PR. So I did music and book publicity for about 10 years in the corporate and agency space before I really kind of had my reckoning moment of like, what the heck am I doing in life? And what do I really want to be doing? Um, which really led me to, to where I am today. And um, the book came about actually about three years ago, um, I was kind of given this chance and this opportunity to write a book. And, you know, I, I'm going to say this because sometimes you'll hear someone that writes a book and they're like, I never thought I would write a book. And I always laugh at that. And I'm like, is that true? <laughs> because if you really thought you're never going to write a book, you probably wouldn't have written a book. So right. I think that that, although it can sound very humbling, I think it actually denies a lot of the passion and the vision and the the light that comes from sharing your voice. So I'm not going to say that. I always wanted to write a book. Mm. I never knew what I would write a book about, how I would write it, who I would write it with, who was going to support me in this endeavor, how it would come mm. about. But I always knew why. For me, I'm a communicator. You know, I I come from whatever galactic universe where <laughs> there are communicators. Like I am a starseed here to speak. And the way that I do that is through writing, teaching, podcasting. Lori, I think that you and I have probably have that in common. Yes. And so from that same planet. Yeah. Yes. I can't not connect through communication and through Mm -hmm. words. It's just part of my very existence. So of course I always wanted to write a book. Of course it was always in me, but how it would come about, I, I didn't really know. And so it wasn't until I kind of started writing that it unfolded. And um, so to answer your question, the way the book came about, Get What You Want, was really because I didn't have what I wanted for a very, Mm. very long time. And I always felt for a very long time, very unseen, very confused, very lost, always worrying about pleasing others, keeping the status quo, you know, doing what I was supposed to. You know, I have a chapter in the book called Supposed To Means Crap. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, and I lived by that for a very long time. And so I knew that I had to really start to share some of my story of how I was able to shed these origin stories and these belief, belief systems that I had that had kept me stuck for so long 
that then allowed me to get to the other side of what was possible for my life and and how I live it today. Okay, so you have some stories in this book. I know that you had mentioned that you don't typically share a lot of your personal life out in the world, but in this book, this was the first time you did it. Number one, I'm I'm so excited to hear them because I really know that these are the ones that move uh, the beliefs and the needles the most for people. But I also know how freaking scary that is writing that in a book and waiting for it to release and, you know, not knowing how that's going to be received. How did you, first, before you share one, how did you come to a place to know? I get this question a lot around people who want to put um, creation or anything out into the world. How did you know what needed to be shared and how did you know what to kind of keep to yourself. And then yeah. once you decided a big one needed to be shared that scared you, how are you kind of like making peace with that? I've always kind of been a bit of a vault and kind of mm-hmm. like a let's let's just focus down and, and get the stuff done, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're not here to like sing kumbaya on the corner. Let's just like get work done. There can be strength in that, but there can also be weaknesses. You know, I was raised to believe that being a quote unquote victim is bad and gross. And so people that kind of just like overshare and like bleed their whole life all all over social media was something that I, I always kind of battled with, you know, this idea of like, how do I basically share from a scar and not from a wound? How do I not overshare and bleed all over? How do I also not judge myself or other people in the process of their own discovery and uncovering of that? Mm. Um, but how do I also let my myself be seen? And, um, and I actually, there's a quote in the book that I say, you can't hide yourself and expect to be seen. And I think mm. that I was doing that for a very long time. And so what really kicked it off for me was that I remember reading a book several years ago from one of my favorite female entrepreneurs. And in my eyes, this woman had everything. I mean, she thriving business, speaking on stages, had served the world globally, had changed so many lives. She was just everything. And I pick up her book and I'm so excited because not only do I want to hear about strategies and how to do this or that, but I was really hoping that I could learn a little bit more about her because like me, she's kind of a vault. And I was hoping that maybe I could see myself in her and not feel so disconnected and not feel so alone. So I pick Mm -hmm. up the book and I start going through it. And Lori, literally everything in the book was just like a copy and paste of all of her work like all Mm. of her podcasts, all of her YouTube stuff, all of her courses. And I knew this woman's work so well by that point that I started to be like, oh, then she's going to tell this story. And then she's going to tell this story. Mm. And so I got like a third away through the book, closed it, put it on my shelf, never opened it again. Mm. And that's when I knew that if I ever got the chance to write a book and let alone have someone read the dang thing, (laughs) like (laughs) I, I was going to have to share more than mm. just what was safe. Mm. And so that's when I knew that I needed to go deeper and how I decided what that was going to be, at least for this book, because the focus of this book is, is really about stepping into your power and, and your, your lightness. It's really about cracking you open so you can shine, which is what we're all supposed to do in this world. It had to start with all of those things that kind of kept me from doing that. And so I decided decided to share some stories about my childhood, about growing up in the family that I grew up with. Um, I I did not have a lot of money growing up, so there's a lot of issues around 
my money, my beliefs about money, my ability to make money. I grew up with a lot of alcoholism and addiction in my life. And so there was a lot of shaping and fixing and control and people pleasing that that I would do for a very long time. And just, again, a lot of hiding. I, I didn't feel that I could be loved and accepted for who I was. And so I would just start to kind of put on all these masks. Like, do you like this one? Do you like this one? What about this one? And how that kind mm -hmm. of unfolded. And so from those core ideas of the things that kept me stuck, and I call them origin stories, um, that's how I was able to start to unravel what those stories would be. Mm, so good. I, I know that, you know, even looking back at the history of, me deciding to do something and then all of the blocks that come around that, which I know that we'll really dig into. Um, a lot of the first things you have to do are get around these, number one, these stories, these past beliefs, but also shame. Like there's some things that really I had to work through that I had buried so deep or hidden or made up a story that if people found out, which is why we hide a lot, right? Like if people found out, then, you know, I would be a fraud or I would, it feels like you're going to die is what it feels like. If people found this out, I'd feel so much shame. Or if my family found this out or whatever, like you're hiding all of these different things. And the craziest thing is, and I know I'm, I'm going to ask you about a, a story coming up here in a second, but the craziest thing is, is that when they're, when they're shared with the right people and you understand how to share them and you get support around that, it's funny how those ultimately become your strengths. Like these stories that we've hidden for so incredibly long are actually the stories that are going to relate you to exactly who you need to be talking to and connect you so deeply. So let's chat about that because I know that you have a story about, um, you know, that, that stems from that money shame that you hold a lot about hiding uh, $30,000 of debt from your husband. Can you tell me about that one? Yeah. So um, I, I kick off the book with, with this story of, um, I get a phone call from my husband and, and he goes, Hey hon, when were you going to tell me about the credit card? And he said it just like that. And I was like, Oh, and so of course, at the time in my life, everything that I had done leading up to this, and this was about a decade ish ago. Um, it was like, how do I fix this? How do I fix this? How do I fix this? Right. Because my biggest fear is the fear of being found out. Uh, what that means about me. Mm. And so I immediately try to go into fix, shape, avoidance, like whatever I have to do. But, you know, there was no denying it. It was out in the open. He found out about it. I had been amassing for probably about three years credit card debt. And mm. I go into kind of why I had just become a new mom. I, I felt very lost and alone in this new city of Los Angeles I was living in at the time. And mm the way to fill that void was through shopping and buying things mm. and, you know, connecting with women at stores and not feeling like, you know, my only existence was talking to a toddler all day. Mm. Mm -hmm. So um, not that that's an excuse, but that was really the reason why it kind of started. And then I was so, I was so delusional, Lori, like, <laughs> The things that I would tell myself, I would be like, well, you know, I'm just, I'm going to get this new PR, you know, gig, and then I'm going to pay it all off and he'll never find out. Or, you know, my husband's an actor, like he's going to book this new show and then, you know, he'll be so focused on that. And then I can just like, you know, pay it off and he'll never know. Or like, I even started telling myself, like, I'm going to win the lottery. <laughs> like, I mean, I've. I've felt that way before, like delusional. Yes. So delusional. And it's in the, the most delusional part, Lori, was I wasn't even buying lottery tickets. Like I was just literally being like, I'm, I'm going to win the lottery and then I'll pay this off and he'll never know. 
And it was that, that denial and that delusion just, it kept me in, in that, in that rut for a very long time. And so now I was faced with the truth and I couldn't hide from it. And, um, and so I had to start getting really honest about why can't I be honest? Why am I, why am I so shameful to admit these things? Why do I feel so much shame around money? Why do I feel so much shame around the ability to make money, to budget money, to use money, to spend money? I mean, all of this stuff. And I dive into really what my origin story was of I grew up in, you know, a very, very teeny tiny small town in Tennessee, very rural working class. My dad grew up in extreme poverty. Um, he lived like in a shack in trailers his whole life. And just kind of seeing how this barely being able to get by was really the way of life. I didn't even know what was possible outside of that. I didn't know that someone could have enough money to do things like save it and invest <laughs> and use it to better themselves. And, you know, I never knew any of that existed. And so I had to really start pulling back the layers of my belief systems around money and my belief systems around my ability to be honest about money and honest with money and to not be ashamed of money. And luckily from that moment, and, and, you know, I was able to start to really peel back the layers. It's kind of, you know, one of the various rock bottoms that I've had in my life, but that would, that was a great one when it came to me stepping into the, to the leader that I am today and to the businesswoman that I am today. It's so crazy what happens when um, it comes out right? It's, it's actually, I, th I think one of the most freeing things that can possibly happen. What would you say to people who maybe, I mean, obviously your worst fear was getting found out, right? Like having that be exposed, but it was probably also the most relieving moment of your life where you're like, okay, this is out. I can actually maybe have some help to confront it and really look at what's been going on. What would you say to someone who has something like that, that they have a lot of shame around that maybe nobody's finding out about, but they feel like they just need to relieve this pressure. What are some of the first steps that we can do if we have that like deep shame around something? Yeah. I mean, the first step I think is always the awareness, you know, shame can't survive in the light. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's, it's the first step of being aware that I have this, um, and it is what it is just for today. And then I think the next step is accepting and, and I think accepting is the hardest part. People can have awareness about something and then want to immediately go fix it or take some kind of action. But I think you really have to accept what it is as it is, because acceptance to me, it allowed me to the shame and hiding that story about the credit card debt kept me frozen. Mm -hmm. What the acceptance did for me is that it thawed me out. And once I was less frozen, I was able to then think more clearly, have more clarity, see a path and then take the next indicated actions that were necessary to get me out of that place that was not serving me. So awareness, acceptance, and action, I think in that order, what was huge for me in that. Mm. It's, it, it's so good. There's so many things we don't do in life because of that. Like we don't even take the risks. We don't let ourselves dream. It's funny. I have a story around, um, I did not graduate high school, but I literally lied to everyone and even bought a fake diploma online and got jobs with it. And I had so much shame that I, I wouldn't move forward in anything. And I wouldn't allow myself to go apply for bigger jobs. I wouldn't even think of entrepreneurship because I thought I needed this thing. Right. that I couldn't, you know, and it's just so funny that 
I got married, lied to my husband about it, ended up telling him about it. Um, somehow he was asking me something and I ended up just losing my marbles and like breaking down and, and telling him, but it was the best moment of my entire life because from that moment after it was found out, number one, it's like, he still accepted me. I had to learn to accept me. But after that, I had this realization that it didn't matter. Like it actually didn't matter if I was willing to accept it and, and get through it. So I love, I love that so much because I know that there are people listening who have something that they are so ashamed and worried about. And it's also going to be the thing, you know, even if you're like, well, those aren't very big deals, you know, our stories, but maybe they have something really that feels really shameful to them. I really believe there is nothing that, you know, you can't work through that isn't going to end up serving someone or really, you know, serving that audience later. Um, okay. So you made a really good point too about that. Cause if, if we don't know that we've been living in denial and delusion for so mm -hmm. long, it's like, we can't even see what's real. And I think that for me growing up in a home where alcoholism was present and addictive patterns and behaviors were present, that's all that I knew to be true. And so for anyone that's listening that, you know, maybe you have a similar childhood in that way, you know, it's it, the awareness to know like, oh, I, I go to these places of delusion and denial and covering things up and fixing and shaping things because this is what I did as a child, because this is what made me feel safe. I think that also just the awareness of understanding that can lessen the shame a little bit because it's not that you are bad. This is literally just what you are doing because it is a pattern that makes you feel safe and makes you feel you know, in this place of contentment, um, it, that can also be a little, um, delusional as well, but it, it makes sense conceptually. So I just, I wanted to say that because when you, when you mentioned that, it made me, because when you were talking about it, I was like, oh yeah, like who wouldn't go and buy a fake diploma and look like that? <laughs> you know, it's like, oh yeah, that's completely normal. Hey, that equals you know? love. I right. mean, to me, I was like, nope, this is apparently what everybody thinks is, you know, the way to be loved and is to be smart, which was just a, a story that I had heard and picked up on. And it was just like, no, that's my, I'm going to pay for love is what right. you do. So how it's going to happen. Um, okay. So, oh God, there's so much to talk about with you pitching yourself to get anything that you want, because I really, um, you know, it, it goes back to what we were just talking about is getting to a place where you are accepting of yourself and you love yourself enough to be able to go out there and confidently talk about the things that you like about yourself. How do we get to that place? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, confidence is, I think every, everything, and it can be so hard to really step into that, like in a steadfast kind of way. Um, I have not been confident in a lot of areas of my life, but when it comes to pitching and throwing myself out there and testing things out, I have always just done it unabashedly and learn from the experience. I believe that words don't teach, experience teaches. Mm -hmm. And I think from my background as a publicist and being thrust into when I lived in New York City and I was working for this, you know, music agency and it was this room full of incredible, you know, badass women leaders that were, you know, kind of shaping that industry as publicists. It really kind of gave me surrounding myself with those types of women, even if I wasn't confident, I, I was able to, at the time, kind of rub against their confidence in a little bit, mm -hmm. and it started to rub off on me. And so I think that, 
you know, if you are someone that doesn't feel that way, that would be my, my biggest recommendation to you start putting yourself in literal or metaphorical rooms of other people that, that seem to have the kind of work and life that you want. If you find someone that you're like, she's a really confident person. I want that in my life go connect with that person, try to be around them. If you can't physically do it, start to consume their content, start to take, you know, any type of opportunities that you can to really understand them and how they think and how they tick. That's what I was able to do at a young age. And I think that just being surrounded by that and, and nothing less than that allowed me to actually start to step into the confidence when it came to my work. And at the time that was PR and pitching and negotiating. So at a very young age, I was able to really embody that. And I think um, that that would be my first tip to someone if you're wanting to step in. My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on so you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff, and it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business for sponsoring the show. The next tip that I would have is act as if, and this is different from faking it till you make it. Mm -hmm. They're kind of similar, but I like to say act as if because fake is not necessarily the type of word that's energetically going to propel you into an authentic version of yourself. But if you can act as if, and so this is, this is a little bit of that idea that a lot of people have that, well, you know, I can't really get what I want until I have confidence. So, you know, once I have confidence, then I'll get what I want. Well, maybe the confidence comes after you get what you want. Maybe if you just start working on what it is that you want today, that's actually what is going to give you the confidence. It's that, that active forward motion of being in what it is that you're desiring and wanting that's going to instill that confidence. And so that would be my other tip is act as if today, act as if today you have the job job of your dreams, act as Mm -hmm. if today you have the man or woman of your dreams, act as if today you have, you are living in your dream house, act as if today you have bought that Range Rover that you've been wanting, whatever those things are. And it, it can be materialistic or it cannot be materialistic. Mm -hmm. Act as if today you've lost the 20 pounds, whatever Mm -hmm. that is. And then If you have, if you act as if today that you've lost the 20 pounds, what would that person be thinking, be Mm. eating, be spending and using their time on? What would they be listening to? What would they be reading? You know, and if you don't know what it is, 
I want you to act as if you do know what it is. I want mm-hmm. you to make something up to try it and to see how that feels because the embodiment of it, I think is always the first step. And a lot of times what we do is we wait for it to come to us instead of us coming to it. I love that. And I really love that you said, you know, even if you, you don't know, act as if you do know it's such a, because you know, I think one of the biggest uh, things that I used to do, and I think that everybody does, is we use, I can't, I don't know, I don't have the skill set. When really, if you say, okay, but if you did know, what would your first step be? Like, oh, shit, I have that answer. <laughs> you know, and you, it's that realization that like, wow, I really am choosing, I'm choosing to stay in this place. So when we are looking at pitching ourselves confidently, we know that we're going to have to, like you said, put some sort of action into play. Mm-hmm. How do we kind of learn what that pitch should look like? So for like, okay, I know I'm going to have to start pitching without the confidence in order to gain the confidence. Cause we have to take that first action to get that confidence. But what does that first pitch kind of look like? Can you yeah. use an example of something maybe you first pitched yourself on? When I was first starting out, I started out as a, as a content creator blogger at the time. So this is before I was doing the work that I was doing, but I just moved to LA. I was hiding money from my husband and I needed to kind <laughs> of figure out money just that thing, right. <laughs> and I needed to figure out how to really step into something new. I had started to get, I was still doing publicity work, but I was, I was losing the passion for that. And I was wanting to step into a new vision for my life. And so I moved to LA and I very quickly realized I, I'm not good at great at creating lifestyle content. I had so many friends that had these beautiful curated feeds and they were fashion bloggers and beauty bloggers, and they could just kill it on YouTube or they had like the most amazing photos and they were sitting front row at fashion week. And as hard as I tried to be that, I just wasn't that. And, and it, I mean, you can look back if you like really scroll back to Julie Solomon's like 2014, 2015 Instagram, the photos are still there. Like you can see this girl desperately trying to be that. And like, it's not hitting, but it was interesting because also at the time, you know, my, my friends who were doing all of that, they would have hundreds of thousands of followers, which at the time that's like having millions today, Mm -hmm. but they weren't really monetizing, like they weren't making money. They weren't, some of them were doing affiliate stuff for, you know, reward style and shop style and companies like that, but they weren't really making a lot of money. And I started thinking like, huh, they're spending 60, 70 hours a week on this and they look great and they're really popular, but they have nothing substantial to show, to show from it. And I started thinking, well, you know, I'm going, I'm starting to go to some blogger events and I'm starting to meet people. And the other thing that I noticed at the same time is that these bloggers would just sit in the corner and like take selfies or talk to themselves. And then you would have all of the brand reps over here that had the money and the power and no one was talking to them. And I'm like, I'm going to go talk to these brand reps. So Mm -hmm. I started to build relationships, connect with people, talk to people because I'm a communicator at heart and that is what I do. And I started to pretty quickly and easily pitch, started to to work with these brands. I would ask them, and this is what you can do if you're learning how to pitch it. It really comes to who you are, what do you offer, who do you serve Mm -hmm. and why is it important? Those four things. Mm You don't have to be a pitch expert with PR background experience to understand those four things about yourself. Mm. 
And I started asking these brands. I was like, you know, I have like 2000 followers, but (laughs) I, I understand marketing budgets. I understand that you're trying to get in front of an audience. Um, I understand these things. So what do you need? I would ask them. I stopped. I didn't make it about me. I made it about them. I took the spotlight off me and I put the spotlight on the brand. And I said, what did it, what is it do you need? And once they told me what it is that I needed, I went back to myself and I said, okay, honestly, can I be a solution provider for what they need? Is there a way that I can spin this and I can make this work and I can act as if Mm -hmm. to be a solution provider for what they needed? So at the time I couldn't really use followers as like my way in because I just didn't have a lot of followers. But Mm -hmm. what I did have was relationships. And so I wanted to renovate my house, interior design work. And I was going to test this thing out. I was like, I'm going to see if I can get my entire home renovated with 2000 followers. Mm. So I started to reach out to brands and all of them said no to me. You know, I have this idea. My son's getting older. I want to turn his baby room into a big boy room. Do you want to do a collaboration? How many followers do you have? Okay. Well, I have like negative 10. Okay. Thanks, but no thanks. (laughs) So I kept getting these no's, which I love no's because you can learn from your no's. And so I, instead of just giving up, I would say, okay, well, why, like, why are you saying no to me? What, what is it that you're looking for? And because I asked those questions, I eventually got some brands to respond to me that, well, we want a lot of followers because we want a lot of reach and we're trying to, to, to really expand our awareness and da, 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 da. Mm. Well, what else expands awareness other than followers? I started thinking to myself, well, that's media. Mm. So maybe I could get these brands media and like segue this. So then I was like, okay, these brands aren't going to care about me unless I can give them something that they care about. Some of these brands have said that they want awareness. So why don't I, instead of just pitching brands, why don't I start pitching media the same exact thing? So then I started going to all these media outlets. I Googled the crap out of media outlets, found contacts, and just started sending this idea to all these media outlets. Hey, would you be interested in a mom blogger home remodel renovation story? Mm -hmm. Some said no, some didn't respond. And then finally I got a yes from people.com because they were starting this mom blogger section. Mm. So then I was like, okay, I've got the door open. So then I go back to world market and I say, world market, would you be interesting, interested in collaborating with me if I could get you a people.com feature? Mm. I'm like, I don't even know if I can get them a people.com feature. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to just say this and see what happens. So they said, absolutely. And this, this was a company that had said no to me three times. Mm. So I had gotten a, this sounds curious from people.com. And then I got like, yeah, if you can make this happen, we'll do it. So then I was like, okay, now I've got to make this happen. And so I went back to people magazine and I said, world market is interested in doing something. And they said, great, let's, let's get it going. And they said, um, but you know, can we showcase more than just your son's room? So then I went back to world market and I said, okay, people.com wants to do this, but in order to do it, you're going to have to redo my entire house, not just my room." <laughs> and they said, cool, we're on board. And so with like 2000 followers at the time, I got my entire house remodeled um, with furniture and with design services at the value of it was probably about $250,000 at the time. And I did that all with less than 10,000 followers. 
And so that kind of long story of going back and forth, and I explain in detail, there's an entire chapter in the book about exactly how I did this. And I break it completely down in detail of how I went back and forth. But this was really the catalyst of what showed me that there's a lot of people out there that may be able to create great content, but they don't know how to market themselves. They don't Mm. know how to pitch themselves. They don't know how to negotiate for what they want. They don't know how to maneuver that back and forth. And I do. So that's actually the service that I can provide. Mm -hmm. And so then I started having bloggers come to me being like, Julie, I don't mean to be rude, but how is it that you have like no followers and you just had world market remodel your entire house. And I have a hundred thousand followers and I am not making any money. And so from that is when I created my course, Pitch It Perfect in 2016, Mm -hmm. that's still around today that helps content creators who want to work with brands, helps them do that in a way that is, clear and concise and fun. And most importantly, it instills the confidence. And that's the biggest feedback that I get from my students is that you, you gave me the confidence to not give up. You gave me the Mm. confidence to speak my truth. You gave me the confidence to just not say yes to every gifted opportunity if it wasn't in alignment with me. And Mm. so that was, that was really the story. So for those that are listening, if you feel like you don't have enough fill in the blank, what do you have? I know that you have something in you that is unique and special to you. And how can you use that and leverage that to get what you want? The same way that I used my understanding of pitching to get what I wanted with the house remodel. Mm, So good. I love hearing these stories because it's really easy to sit back and be like, oh, she got it because she looks that way, or she got it because she has that background, or she got it because of whatever we make up. We make up all this shit every single day when we look on Instagram, right? Um, But I really love hearing that because literally everything that I've ever gotten was from the crazy, creative, out of the box, really stretching it pitches where I had to then really show up for what I said that I would also do. So that is so much fun to hear. And that, that just got my wheels spinning because also, you know, like with a a new product coming out for me, I'm like, Oh, I really have to get back to that. Like very grassroots, really thinking in terms of what they need and what they want and what they're looking for. And I really do believe, like you said, like you can, you can really, if you think about it, pitch whatever it is you have and make something fit, like make some form of storyline fit in most places that you want. So I love, love, love that. Can't wait to read that whole section on that and really break it down. Um, Okay. I want to talk about boundaries because I think for most women, I don't want to generalize, but I will say I've talked to a lot of them and I am one, um, is really challenging to uh, instill the boundaries that we need in order to go out into the world and do all the things that we are talking about. I know for me growing up, you know, boundaries were not even remotely a thing. It was like, do everything for everyone to get them to love you. People please till you can't breathe anymore and you have no life of your own. And then maybe you'll feel good. Um, So let's talk about um, boundaries and then about how to kind of create new ones and maybe share some that you have um, instilled so we can understand it. Yeah, you know, I, I believe that you can change the price of what it costs to access you and boundaries are the currency of that. And mm-hmm. like you, I grew up with, there were no boundaries. You said yes to everything. You know, I, I have a mom that says yes, still, that says yes to everything and everyone because mm-hmm. she can do it all and she can do it all but at what expense and at what Mm. cost, because everything costs something. And Mm -hmm. so for me, I didn't have boundaries for a really 
a long time. I, growing up, I always wanted people to like me. And I remember being little and throwing, I was like in fourth grade, I think. And I had this doll that I got for Christmas and I loved this doll so much, but there was a girl in my class that made fun of me. And she said that dolls were for babies. And so I threw the, the doll in the trash can at school mm. because I didn't want her to not like me. And I remember like, I went to the bathroom and I was like bawling my eyes out because I was like, oh my gosh, my beloved doll. I can't have my sweet Christmas present because this girl's not going to like me. But that idea of me delaying my happiness and me really subjecting myself to the criticism of other people and, and letting that lead the way instead of not having boundaries, it threaded through my life forever. I mean, with, with past relationships, with my first marriage, cause I've been married before, um, you know, with wanting people so badly to, to understand me and see my side of the story and let me just mm-hmm. over and explain mm-hmm. myself. And, um, there was one instance where when I first launched my podcast, I, um, I got an email from a woman that is a, another podcaster. And I had really put this woman on a pedestal and I admired mm. her and I thought she, you know, is amazing. And, and she is all those things. I had an episode kind of start to, to go up in, in the charts. And for the first time in this new business that I was in, I was really starting to see success that was kind of like that, that next level. And, and so I was, I felt good and, and confident and great. And I was celebrating and I get this email in my inbox and it's from her. And so of course, like I go into fantasy mode and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> she wants to be friends. Like maybe she wants me to have her, have me on her podcast. Like, you know, I, I'm like, oh, what does she want? You know, and I start to get all good. And then I open the email and it was not kind, you know, she was telling me that I was writing her coattails and that, you know, seeing me on, on a podcast made her cringe and all of this kind mm. of stuff. And I immediately just felt like I could feel the knot in my throat. I was like trying oh, to hold back tears. I feel it for you. Oh my god. It gosh. was just, it, it was so at the time it was so disheartening, but I had to, it's not about pointing the finger at her. Look, she has her feelings and they are just as mm. valid as mine. Like we all come from our own lens and own perception of the world, but I had to really start to look at what was my part to play in it that I was so fixated on this woman validating my existence. And I was so obsessed with making her see that, you know, we could be friends. We know so many of the same people, like, like me, like Mm -hmm. me, like me, like this just desperation (laughs) of wanting to be liked by her that I had no boundary. Like I had no boundary between where I left off and she began and it wasn't necessarily her, but it was just this idea that she represented of how desperately that I needed people to validate my very existence. Mm -hmm. And so the beauty of that story, and I talk about it in the book, but what that gave me, it gave me, it really allowed me to understand that a woman that truly loves and trusts herself gives herself the gift of being able to love and trust other women. Mm. And when I was really able to sit back and start finding the validation within myself and the love within myself and not putting my happiness on, you know, the backs of other people was when I was able to start to create more boundaries about what felt good and aligned for me. And so, Mm. you know, today, if I got an email like that, I just wouldn't even respond because it's like not even in my frequency of existence anymore Mm -hmm. because I know who I am and, and, and that is enough in and of itself. And Mm -hmm. so for me now, I know that I am living within my boundaries when I no longer delay my happiness, because I spent years delaying my happiness in this, in to make other people safe or happy or whatever that was. And when I don't subject myself to the 
abuse of other people. And, and I, that, that word, I don't necessarily mean, you know, physical abuse, but I, I don't subject myself to, you know, manipulation, um, control, you know, people, all that, all that kind of emotional abuse that can happen when you don't allow yourself to say no and really stand on your own. So those are the two things that I really have to be mindful for now. Am I delaying my happiness? Am I subjecting myself to something that does not feel in line, does not feel integral? Does this go against who I am or what I stand for? And if it does, then boundaries up. Literally putting me right back into my memories of it's probably around the time, I don't remember, it, or I don't know if you remember this, but we were somewhere, I believe it was at Wanderlust. I don't know who's, yeah, or something it was, but it might've been the first time I saw you in person, but it was right around that time where I was majorly seeking validation from other people like, hey, you're enough. Hey, we like you. So that I could go and finally feel accepted out into the world. I literally just had that moment of remembering certain like friend groups I was trying to get in that I was not meant to be in, number one. Um, But just that feeling of really believing that you need these other people to let you in or like you to be validated what do you think that we have to have those moments where something happens where it kind of you know with what happened with you um where you get that email or do you think it's something that if you realize you're in it right now like if you become aware of it if someone's listening who's like oh I'm really like trying to get into these different groups or you know I really need to speak on this stage to prove that I'm validated we've all done that right (laughs) I really need to do this thing or be at that event that all of those popular people seem to be getting continually invited to, and I'm never even invited. Um, how do we break from that? To me that the validation is, is an, is inner work. And I think that sometimes it does take those moments to happen. Like I remember wanting to speak on your very thing. I wanted to speak on a stage and I got invited by this big guy in the online industry to go speak on this stage. And I go, and I'm like, this is awful. Like, this is so out of alignment. This is not my audience. This is not like, it just, it felt so wrong from the beginning. So <laughs> Sorry, I've had that too. You know that it's like when you deny your yourself, when you start to really abandon your, what you know to be true. And, and that's when I want to go back to everybody that's listening. You know, what's best for you. You, know, you may not be listening, but you know, and it's that I always go back to that, that gut, that like little ding that always goes off. And it's like, I know, but am I, am I going to choose to listen to it? Or am I going to choose to deny and abandon myself? Because I feel like somebody externally is going to be able to give me something that I can't give to myself. Mm. And that is, that is what for me, I had to understand is that it begins and ends with me. If I want more love, let it begin with me. If I want more abundance, let it begin with me. If I want more success, if I want more validation, let it begin with me. Um, and so what, what helped me through that process was having a lot of those moments where I subjected myself to, you know, just the, the manipulation and the control and kind of the abuse of other people's agendas, and then really kind of getting sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm, um, there's yep. a quote by Liz Gilbert that says, when someone gets tired of their own bullshit is when the real transformation happens. And I think mm. for some of us, it does, it, it takes us just getting so sick and tired of being sick and tired and wanting a new path and wanting to pave a new, 
um, a new way for us to really step into what it is that we want. And so if someone even can't believe what I'm about to say, maybe just saying it to themselves to try to maybe program themselves, but I am capable of, of love and giving it to myself. Um, you know, it is not my responsibility to fix other people. I'm not that powerful. That was like a big one for me. Um, I am capable of acceptance just as I am. And just, you know, really stepping into what, to what those words, those words are powerful and what they really mean. I think it's really, really kind of helped me get over that. And I think that the more that you keep the focus on yourself and the more that you start to test things out, and this is kind of going back to that confidence fit, Lori, the, the more that I started to truly listen to me and test things out. And maybe I, you know, I didn't try to do what other people were doing. I may found somebody that I really liked and I'm like, okay, I want to copy the way she thinks. I don't want to copy what she does, but I want to copy the way she thinks and feels about herself mm. because that's a confident, mm -hmm. successful woman. And I want to be that. I want to become that. But when I really started to not give, like not focus on everyone else, keep the focus on me and really started to, to step in and, and I gave myself permission to test things out, to succeed, to fail, to learn new things. I didn't really care what other people thought mm. anymore. I really started just to find that inner balance and love and peace within myself because I was focused on me for once and not so focused on everybody else. I think mm. that that was really the big thing that helped me. Yeah, that's really, really powerful and helpful. And I can, I can pinpoint times where I've been like, I need to like get out of the places or get off of the things that are making me feel like I should be doing this or that or you know, Instagram, Facebook being one of them where I'm like, I need to go collect my own thoughts and really figure out what that is. So I kind of want to end on that question with you because I think a lot of us, and I get caught in it too, like sometimes I'm like, what the hell do I even want? Like, I don't even know anymore because I'm looking at everything else and thinking of everything else and what makes money and what are they doing and where are the trends going and where's the energy going and all of those things. How do we get back to what the hell we actually want? Do you have any sort of processes for this? Yeah. I mean, when, when I've been in those moments, I think that if I can't, if I don't have the clarity because I'm so inundated. Right. And, and so I, mm -hmm. it's like, it's just like, like there's a veil in order to lift the veil. Sometimes I have to focus on what it is that I don't want. Mm. to help me get to what it is that I do want. And so mm. that's, you know, if I don't know what I do, what I want, well, I do know that I don't want to abandon myself anymore. I do know that I don't want to be put around people or places or situations that don't make me feel in alignment with myself, that don't make me feel expansive, that don't make me feel like my heart is in tune, that don't make me feel bright. I mean, mm. we're all meant to shine in this world. And if I'm put in a place where I feel like I have to do this, that, that is a red flag to me that I need to remove myself from that situation or place mm -hmm. or experience. Even just making a list of like, these are all of the things that I don't want. Mm -hmm. And then what are some actions that I can start taking to step out of that and into what would maybe be the opposite of those things? Mm -hmm. So, you know, for example, if I don't want to be working 60 hours a week with 15 clients a week, well, then I know that I don't want that. So then how could I step into something that's the opposite of that? Well, maybe the opposite of that is only working 30 hours a week with five clients, but charging more. Mm. So I don't have to take on so much work mm -hmm. or 
you know, maybe, and I'll give an example with a relationship, you know, my husband doesn't want to go and do something that I really want to do. That means a lot to me. So instead of just saying, okay, and then building up the resentment towards him, or instead of trying to persecute him to death, to do what it is that I want to do, maybe I'll just go on and live my life. And yeah, I may be sad that he's not joining, but it's not going to stop me from from feeling the joy and expansion of doing something that I really want to do. So good. That's so helpful. It's, it's funny because sometimes we keep on saying, well, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but that is the best place to start. I literally just thought of a couple things. I'm like, okay, I don't want to do that. And I know exactly how to get rid of it. And sometimes you won't even know what comes next, right? Like sometimes you're just clearing space because maybe the idea couldn't land because you're so full of things you don't want to do that you there's no room for the good stuff to even come into your brain yet so yeah. that's really powerful um any last things that you want to share with the audience before we go yeah so i saw a quote the other day um it was by a rabbi and it says it said happiness is wanting what i already have mm. and i love that and i loved it in this moment because this is the first time in my life that i can truly say that i believe that and then I also started to giggle because I'm like, man, if the Julie five years ago would have seen that, I would have been like this mother, you know, like <laughs> it would have been so easy for me to be like, oh, easy for all those people that have it all figured out to say that. But I think that because that was my mindset for so long that I, because I didn't allow myself to be grateful for what it was that I did have that was going well for so long, all I was getting was more of the stuff that I didn't want. And so the more that you focus on what you don't have, what, what's overwhelming, what's frustrating, what you wish you could change, that's really the only headspace that you're going to be in. And so I would encourage people to, if you're anything like me and want to eye roll at that quote, to just stay a little bit open-minded to that idea of maybe happiness could be wanting what you already have. And a great, mm. a great thing to do, because um, when I read that quote, I, I actually just did this, I decided to, I got out a sheet of paper and I put a line down the middle to have two columns. And on the left line, I started writing down, what is everything that I have in my life right now that I used to want? Mm. That like I would pray for, that I would work hard for, that I want, you know, it's like my beautiful home, my two healthy children, my amazing husband, my business, the ability to serve and impact so many people. I wrote a freaking book, you know, it's like all of so these cool. things that I said that I wanted in my life. And then on the right column, this is like everything else that I still want that hasn't come to full mm -hmm. manifestation. But it's really focusing on that column of, and no matter where you are in your life, maybe you're 25 years old and you're just kind of getting started and you're in your quarter life crisis and you're like, what the heck am I doing with my life? But just think about what are, what is everything that, that you have been able to make happen in your life so far that you never thought was possible and just staying, staying in the energy and the flow of that, I think can, can really help with the mindset shift. Mm, so good. So perfect for me today. For you in writing this book, I'm so happy for you. I'm so proud of you. And this is going to impact so many people. I, I can't wait to read it. Literally cannot wait. I'll probably have read it by the time this comes out. So that's exciting. First, where can we find it? Where can yes. we follow you all the things? Yes. So on Instagram, I'm at Jules, J-U-L-S, Solomon, S-O-L-O-M-O-N. You can find the book wherever books are sold. And you can go to juliesolomon.net slash get what you want for that page of where you can find. And then on that page, if you want a signed copy, you can order it from um, a REITs and independent retailer, mom and pop bookstore that I have partnered with to support them. Um, and I get to actually go in and sign all the copies before they're mailed out, which is super fun. 
Oh, um, so cool. We'll put that link in the, in the show notes as well Thank for you. them. Yep. But um, juliefeldman.net slash get what you want. And then the influencer podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts is where you'll find me every week. Amazing. Um, your podcast is amazing. You guys definitely, if you love the show, you'll absolutely love her show. Um, and your realness, all of the things. Jules, thank you so much for coming on. I so appreciate you. I can't wait um, to watch the impact that your book makes out in the world. And I also can't wait for you to see um, the ripple effect and the impact, uh, that your work, that being brave and courageous and putting these stories out in this workout into the world does. So you guys, I'm so grateful for you as always. And until next time, earn your happy. Bye everyone. As always, thank you so much for joining me today and every week here on the Influencer Podcast. If you're wanting to dive deeper into the topics and discussions that we have here, I would encourage you to head over to juliesolomon.net and sign up for my weekly newsletter. It is in our amazing newsletter community that we are able to really support you on a much larger scale. And I love to do a ton of amazing things that I send inside your inbox every single week. So just head over to juliesolomon.net. You'll see a little spot there that you can add your information in and you will get on the list and start receiving all of that good stuff.